1: And I'm just a super nerd.
0: Welcome back, listeners. We are on episode 346, and I know you're not keeping track, but Sarah
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> I, have this, I have this like trick now. I figure out what episode it was last week, and then I add one.
0: Oh my gosh. I know. That is that is some serious skill, right? Um what I should... don't understand is how there was a period of time where we couldn't accomplish that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I like to think that uh I am continuing to grow and learn and like develop skills as an adult and that it's not my my adult experience is not static, but that I am a dynamic learner, and one of the things that I have learned is how to look up what the episode was that we did last week and add one. And it's it's just it's just part of this uh, neuroplasticity that we recognize in the adult brain now.
0: Well, I just want to thank our listeners because I went I went a little deep last week, mm-hmm. and um, I immediately texted you the morning after and said. <laughs> I had not slept very well all night tossing and turning and grinding my teeth. And I was like, I I don't know why sharing personally like that upsets me so much because I really don't have a problem with putting the information out there. I just worry about people judging me for it. And then as soon as I realize that that's what I'm doing, I'm like, that's not okay. It does, other people's opinion of you does not matter. Like. Do you feel good about what you're doing in your life? Do you feel good about the choices that you're making? Like, that's all that matters. And so um, I just want to thank all of the listeners who were supportive um, because while that's not the point of it, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have that positive um, feedback. And I heard from so many of you to share about our travels and and all of that kind of stuff. And so absolutely, 100%. going to happen. And we are super excited to be embarking upon this um, as soon as the boys are out of school, but we are already like shopping for RVs and doing that kind of stuff. And I'll have you know, there are sustainable options. There are brands out there who are making more eco-friendly things. And so I will a hundred percent be recapping or sharing about that in some capacity, whether it's on the blog or here on the podcast when we're on the road. And I'm telling you about all the things that are happening this summer, because we will of course still be doing podcasts weekly and I will be doing them from the road. So it'll be interesting, but I just, you know, want to thank everybody for that. And, um, I'm excited to move forward into this new freedom through fall and, um, yeah. And thank you, Sarah, for, for telling me like, no, you're being, it's fine. <laughs> Just, it was like, you had no words. You were like, you're no, it's, you're it's good. Yeah. You're fine. You're fine.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I totally understand the vulnerability because I think, you know, when we, we have listeners and people who have been following our websites and our social media accounts for years. Right. And, it's a really interesting relationship that we sort of develop with the internet. But at the same time, like we're just regular people and we have regular lives. And in our normal lives, you know, people aren't walking up to us in a grocery store and asking for our autograph, right? Like we get that like little tidbit of an experience at a conference. Um, but our normal, I mean, I, I'm speaking for both of us here, so stop me if people do ask you for your autograph in the grocery store. Um, but our normal lives are like everybody else's normal life. We have the same challenges, the same rushing from one place to another, trying to find work-life balance. And there's this there's this weird part where when the other, other people who do things that are similar to what we do – really curate what they put out. And to give people this this real window at our real lives and our real emotions and our real feelings, it's unusual that we're, we still do that now. Um, I don't think it was that unusual in, when we started our websites and we started this podcast, but it's it's getting to be um, what's portrayed out there as much, is getting to be more and more up a picture of what people want you to see rather than a real insight into their lives. But we still do that. We still give people this real window into our lives. And it, it is, it's a little bit scary, right? It's a little bit vulnerable um, to put that information out there in at a time where the internet internet can sometimes be a really hostile place. And so I totally understand that feeling of like, whoo, here I go again, (laughs) telling the world my real, my real feelings. Um, But I also think that that's why our listeners connect with us and keep coming back week after week after week. And, um, and I think it's this really special relationship that we have with our listeners, with our readers that we've developed because of making, being real a priority. And I, I know that it's hard when it's something really big. It's those big emotions. But like I said last week, you know, this is, that is, it's so brave to to share all of it. And I think it's really important. I think that, that leaning into that vulnerability is the thing that helps all of our listeners and all of our readers become our community rather than just our, like, fans or our tribe or whatever the whatever the word is in marketing lingo
0: a hundred percent I think you know when we rebranded we rebranded to real everything for a reason it was a word that we identified with in our audience when I pulled them like describe one word about us that was the word that we heard over and over again and so I have uh, that's what I want to see in my feed and and who I follow um when I do have some influencers who I love that are super curated and I just think of it more as like a William Sonoma type feed, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's not real Mm -hmm. life. It's that's, that's not what it is. And I, I feel like what I want to be to people and what I want to be inspired by are those who are living their life ups and downs and who are, are sharing and overcoming in, in both aspects. And, um, this is huge. This, this, last week's news was huge for us and as we talked about difficult to come to and um putting that out there when you know knowing that there are some people who will think well that's not a good decision um makes me feel like I have to be defensive and that's just something i'm personally need to work on and i think that's something that a lot of us feel in life right like the whole mm-hmm. keeping up with the joneses and that mindset and all that kind of stuff so anyway um it's a really good lesson for me And it was a good reminder that I still struggle with that idea. And, you know, I I worked through it. And in the end, it's it's all good. And we're moving forward. And I'm excited about this week's show and everything that we have in the future. So um, I'm just going to just jump in because otherwise I'm going to... Blab about my emotions some more. That seems to <laughs> just be faucet. I can't turn off right now. So um, I am super excited because we have a podcast sponsor that is back that we. Per, both personally love and use and have talked mm-hmm. about on the show previously and the reason that we reached out to the sponsor for the show is because we have a question that is near and dear to our hearts it's a very common quest- type of question that we get and um i am looking forward to both tackling this from a practical perspective perspective as well as an emotional perspective, because that's the moon that I'm in. Um, and it always seems to be a soapbox that I can't help but stand on. So um, in the meantime, Thrive Probiotic, um, We, if you go back, we'll put a link in the show notes, was um, a sponsor in the show. And we talked in depth about why this probiotic in particular is one that Sarah, you discovered and you loved and Mm -hmm. how it can be such a powerful um, tool, even though it's not needing to be refrigerated. So- um, Do
1: do you know why I love it?
0: Well, you go ahead. You remind me. Because science
1: <laughs> we do love science here because yeah. <laughs> it's got lots of science, yeah, so
0: that's, that's I, I I know for me personally, I was very hesitant to believe that it could actually work because it wasn't refrigerated, and any probiotic that I'd used prior to this, I was taught from the health food store like, well, it's really only alive. If it's refrigerated and because they're using soil-based probiotic and, you know, doing research to confirm that it can be, you know, up to a thousand times more survival than other probiotics, not only is all of the research there, but I can tell you, and I said this before when they sponsored, I genuinely feel a difference when I take this probiotic yep. and I crave sugar less and I just feel better digestively and all of that kind of stuff. And so I frankly want to thank you for pulling them onto the show before because I would not have known about them. I wouldn't have used them. And I don't really find that taking any other probiotic has ever made me feel that way other than doing kombucha and yogurt consistently, like a couple of times a day is the only time where I can kind of like feel that result. But even then it's like sweet. And I just feel like if I don't do sweets, then I have a better chance of not craving them later, right? That's a snowball for me. So I love that you can take one pill a day (laughs) and, and have that same kind of awesome result. So, um, Thriveprobiotic.com slash the paleo view will get you 15% off with the code paleo view15. So again, thriveprobiotic.com slash the paleo view and use code paleo view for 15% off. And I can tell you because I personally purchase these myself, you can also purchase like bundles on the website for an additional discount and then use our code on top of that. So If you buy, I think it's like three or more or five or more, which is basically just it's a bottle as a one month supplies because there's 30 pills and average 30 days a month. Um, That way you're, you know, you're set for a few months and you're getting an additional discount
1: off. Or set for the whole family. Right. Um, Yes. I think I mentioned on um, the last show that uh, Just Thrive sponsored. Was that I like also have my twelve year old with hormonal acne uh, taking the Just Thrive probiotic and it has definitely helped and I can tell if she she typically takes it in the evening I can tell when she wakes up in the morning if she forgot the night before and I'm like oh I forgot your probiotic and she'll be like yeah <laughs> so um you know even though as we talked a couple of episodes ago there's um there's a lot of other things that we can do for acne. Looking after gut health is, is one of the sort of uh, low hanging fruit, I guess you would say in terms of, in terms of minimizing the challenges of acne. So uh, no, I'm a big fan and uh, they have the, the, actually this company is, is it's not just that they have scientific measurements, but they're actually leading the way in terms of clinical trials for validating these strains and I think they've got something like fifteen different clinical trials ongoing right now, which is amazing. Um, and they've had a couple that have been published, including like the first probiotic supplement that's ever been shown to uh, to reduce leaky gut. Like that, I mean, when I read that today, I was like, I can't believe the only thing these people did is take this this probiotic supplement every day, and it really dramatically lowered markers of intestinal permeability. It was it was really impressive. So uh so when we talk about gut health, we've got to talk about just thrive probiotic. Let's just go the way it's the way it's gotta go.
0: Alright, why don't you read the question so people can understand why this is essential to answering the question today.
1: Now, are you asking me to read the question because that's my normal my normal job on this podcast or because it makes you feel uncomfortable? <laughs>
0: No, I could read this question if I wanted to. It's, it's the answering of the question that would get me all uncomfortable.
1: Thanks thanks for
0: throwing me under the poop (laughs) bus, which P.S. is probably what my RV is going to be called.
1: Oh, really? That's the going, it's because you have three boys and they think that's hysterical.
0: Yeah. And because the freaking movie that we watched has a poop rocket from the, Sewage line, and it's like all they can, hee hee hee. Every time we talk about it, I'm like, come on, guys. All right. You read all right. the question, and I'll avoid the word and the idea of it all together and pretend like I'm not a 14 year old schoolgirl.
1: <laughs> all right. So, our question this week is from Teresa, who says, I've been eating flour, dairy, and sugar my whole life. I now take a probiotic and eat fermented foods when I can, but my gut is still not good. I can feel it, smell it, and see it in my bowels. They are mushy and not formed. Sorry for the TMI. What can I do to heal my gut? I'm not sure simply adopting the paleo approach will heal me. With a big question mark at the end.
0: Well, we do know that digestion and gut health shows itself when you go to the bathroom mm-hmm. and there are all kinds of drawings and pictures on the internet. Do you have one in one of your books, Sarah? Do you have a... I
1: have I have one, but there's a um, Bristol stool form scale, both in Paleo Principles and in the Paleo Approach. Perfect. So go check
0: that out because I think for all listeners, it's really important actually To look at what you got going on and make sure that your digestion is what you think it is. Because um, I know for me after I was paleo in the beginning and I thought that I was so healthy and great because I was losing weight. I actually was having all kinds of nutritional deficiencies and hormonal problems and, you know, all this because I didn't have a gallbladder and I was eating too much fat and I wasn't absorbing nutrients and all of my food was just running out. Um, and so with that said, I think it's really, um, impressive that Teresa is able to recognize that she can see that her body is not digesting what she's eating properly, um, So when she says that she's taking a probiotic and eating fermented foods, um, that's a great place to start. But we both know that if you already have an overgrowth of bad bacteria and you're feeding it highly processed foods, flour, dairy, sugar, your whole life, then that probiotic or fermented food, no matter what it is, is going to have a difficult time fighting the bad bacteria on its own. Mm-hmm. So, I think for me hearing I'm not sure that simply adopting the paleo approach will heal me. Um I think it's important to understand like the core of where problems are coming from and what you're trying to solve. And the idea is to give your gut bacteria the food that it needs to feed the healthy bacteria and to starve the bad bacteria. And that is very much food related. Um, We talk a lot about different lifestyle factors. And Sarah, I know you've, you are the expert on gut health right now. (laughs) And I know you have many things to say, but just from a layman's term perspective, I mean, you know, like any, I I think it's uh, even at like New York times and time magazine and all kinds of people are writing about the importance of gut health and gut bacteria right now, because, this kind of stuff is coming to the forefront as really being such an epidemic. I mean, goodness, you remember poop transplant as being a thing like not long it's, ago? It's still a thing. I know it's I know it's still a thing, but it was like in popular culture for a while, you know, as as a recommendation. So, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about it, but ultimately feeding those bacteria the right things so that they the right ones grow stronger and the ones that you don't want die off are ultimately how you have to approach it. And unfortunately, the bad bacteria like the food that is delicious, um, the refined oh. sh- the refined food. And so it's a matter of finding ways to still eat food that you love, that's delicious to you, but that doesn't um, contribute to an upset tummy. And, you know, I... I hear, although she doesn't say it when she says that she can feel her gut is not good and she can feel it and she can smell it and she can see it in her bowels. Like that doesn't feel like someone who's happy with their current situation. So Mm -hmm. I just want to give Teresa the strength that she needs to say, girl, you got this. And that worst case scenario, you're just going to eat a few more vegetables for a month or 90 (laughs) days or whatever. And it's, there's really nothing bad that can come of it. Like, I, I think that's kind of the thing that having adopted that way of life so early and being under the spotlight of, wait, you did it for your whole family. I'm like, but, but what's the problem? Like, they're eating more (laughs) more vegetables. It's, there's really nothing that can, you know, bad that can come of it. And we've talked about all of that so much on the show before so I just wanted to be like fist pump before Sarah got into what will inevitably be a mind-blowing amount of science <laughs> um,
1: well I'm actually gonna start with a statistic to back up everything that you just said Stacy um, so about sixty percent of the composition of our gut bacteria is determined by the foods that we eat the other forty percent is determined by like Everything else. So the everything else includes sleep, stress management, activity, exposure to probiotics, medications, our vitamin D status, um, toxin exposure, pesticide exposure. Um, So the other 40% is like everything else combined and taking a probiotic supplement fits into that 40%. The 60%, the majority of what species are growing in our bacteria is directly related to basically what food we're feeding them. And so we, can't, we really can't expect just taking a probiotic supplement, even a great one like Just Thrive, to be sufficient on its own to actually correct imbalances in our gut bacteria. As impressive as their scientific studies are... If you combined that supplement with really good dietary guidelines, that's where the magic happens. At the same time, you know, I my reading of Teresa's question is that she is intimidated. Maybe she's looking at the AIP. Um, sometimes when people say the paleo approach, they're really looking at the autoimmune protocol because that's the title of my first book that talks entirely about the autoimmune protocol. Um, and that might that might be more than she actually needs. So I, you know, I'm hearing a lot of like, uh, I'm, I'm scared. I'm intimidated. um, Those foods, um, you know, I don't know how to maybe I I don't know where to buy those foods. I don't know how to cook those foods. I'm worried about missing my favorite foods. I'm worried about how I'm going to eat a restaurant. And, you know, I want to echo what you said to Teresa, which is like, you got this. It's like, you've got this. But I also think that this is a really great opportunity to talk a little bit about dogma within the paleo community. I think the autoimmune protocol is like a separate thing, right? So the autoimmune protocol is designed to be therapeutic for severe chronic illness, for autoimmune disease. And it is designed to start rigid and then develop flexibility because it's designed to maximize healing. When you are talking about gut dysbiosis, which pretty much like everybody eating a Western diet has um, when you're talking about those sort of just like, I just don't feel good. I am, I'm a little bit overweight. I'm kind of tired. I just don't feel good in my skin. Um, you know, when I, I, when I go to the bathroom, I have to like spray the bathroom with air freshener every single time. Like, you know, my stomach doesn't feel good after I eat like those things I'm using air quotes as I say, minor complaints. Cause they're not minor they're just not life-threatening, right? They're things that really erode our quality of life. But we don't necessarily need to go to this super strict, rule-based, eat this, don't eat this. If I eat a bite of rice, then I clearly have fallen off the wagon. And what's the point of life anymore? Like, we we get so wrapped up in this community in, first of all, in defining diet in terms of eliminations, which I don't think is healthy, and I don't think it sets us up for success. But also in this um, yes yes food no food so this very like rule based way of approaching diet and I think a healthier way to approach it especially when we're talking about the you know the, the part of the diet that is designed for you know being as healthy as we can be for living as long as we can rather than the therapeutic side of the diet when we're just talking about healthy habits I think it's actually a much better approach to hopefully do some reading and kind of understand some of the whys, but really think of the themes. So the themes are nutrient density. So getting, you know, eating nutrient dense foods, trying to get all of the essential and non-essential vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, fiber, uh, proteins, healthy fats from our diet that we need so that we don't need to supplement Uh, nutrients because we're getting everything that we actually need from food. Um, High vegetable content. I mean, that is the one thing that every diet expert with their salt can agree on is that the science is completely ubiquitous. Every single scientific study that looks at the role of vegetable intake in health shows that the more vegetables we eat, the better. Seafood is really, really, really important. Um, So we look at those, those are like the, the the dietary themes that everyone can agree on, but I think you know i cannot I cannot point to a scientific study that says that everyone should be gluten free forever like there, that that scientific evidence does not exist, and i don 't believe it i don 't believe that everyone needs to be gluten free to be healthy now before everyone turns off the podcast and says i 'm never listening to Sarah and Stacy anymore ever. That's different than saying that gluten's a health promoting food. I don't believe that either, right? Foods that contain gluten are pretty much devoid of nutrients. They're basically typically high in bad fats, high in simple carbohydrates, and typically don't have a lot of redeeming nutritional features. but a little bit here and there for somebody who tolerates it could you know in an otherwise nutrient dense diet and otherwise in a person who's getting enough sleep and managing the stress and living an active lifestyle. You know, if you've got all those other things dialed in, there is a fairly, I think, substantial portion of society uh, that is going to tolerate some gluten in their diet really, really well and still be able to achieve optimal health by looking at these thematic elements, nutrient density, high vegetable consumption, and the lifestyle stuff, dialing all of that in. And then there's people who are more sensitive, right? So there's people who really can't, I mean, I can't eat any gluten, Stacy, you're the same, like uh, gluten for us is toxic. And that is almost certainly related to our genetics. Um, but I think that we can respect bioindividuality and we can respect that um, some people are better adapted to uh, suboptimal stimuli than other people. So we can, I think we can take a step back from this. So like, you're not paleo if you eat whatever, like like whatever food, uh, or i 'm um, not you know i 'm not doing it right if i 'm not perfect, and I think we can you know if the if the goal is lifelong health we need to set ourselves up so that we make it sustainable that we make it that it 's something we can actually keep up with and that means we need to be realistic in our goals we need to keep our eyes on the prize and and stay dedicated, but we can 't set it up so that we have to like Grit our teeth and will power through every single day. So maybe that means baby steps. Maybe that means, um, you know, a focus on the best bang for your buck type dietary choices. So getting some canned fish in at some point of the day, trying to pile on the vegetables on the plate, trying to minimize gluten, like maybe that's the starting point, maybe that's the entry point. Um, Some people really won't feel good until they get rid of gluten. Like for Teresa, gluten could be her issue and she might not know it until she goes gluten free.
0: I just, I also feel like a lot of people say that they don't have a problem with certain foods. But they don't take them out in combination with other foods to mm. know how they're interacting. And Sarah, you had that experience taking I did. out gluten and then taking out dairy, but not together, which is when you actually got, you know, um, some relief with your autoimmune system. Like
1: magical, um, magical, magical relief. I mean...
0: And then... It, the, yes. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Um, but I was just going to say, and then then there are other people who don't give it a long enough time. Like you only, you know... Uh, I don't want to throw people I love under the bus, but my dear mother, um, (laughs) who has absolutely a problem with corn. Hi, mom. I know you're listening. We love you, Carol. And we all know on the podcast, because I've talked about it before, I'm 100% sure (laughs) that corn isn't working for my mom, but she loves it. And she doesn't Mm -hmm. feel it right away. And um, I'm not 100% sure. That's not fair. I know how much it affects Finian and I. And my mom also has skin issues like we have. And so for me, I think that there are some foods where your body has built up such an amount of inflammation from them that it really needs at least 30 days, maybe more, before you'll start to see relief of that stuff. And so from a digestive perspective and from gut health and all that kind of stuff, it's not just like, oh, gluten might be okay for you. It's not that I disagree with that. I I just also want to emphasize that there are some things that might be happening to people that they're not associating with the food. Because in this case, we're talking about digestion, but a lot of food allergies or intolerances or sensitivities have nothing to do with digestion. And so people think, oh, it's fine. So for example, Mm. my mom and I have an anaphylactic reaction to gluten, We do not have an anaphylactic reaction to corn, but that doesn't mean that corn is fine. (laughs)
1: Like, it's, you know. I feel like this podcast suddenly went down to an
0: audience of one. (laughs) Okay. I just think for Teresa and for everybody else that there's no harm in giving something Mm -hmm. up. You know, like, I, I get that we don't want to. I walk through the mall and I smell the soft pretzels and the Cinnabons and there's Mm. nothing gluten-free that tastes at least the way I remember those foods tasting. But I also know that I would feel awful if I ate them and it doesn't, it isn't food to me. It's kind of like um, cigarettes. I smoked for a really long time and the idea of having that moment where in my mind, I think that it was relaxing might appeal to me, but then the logical part of my brain kicks in and it's like, that's a really bad life choice. (laughs) Don't do it. And I, I feel like, you know, for those of you that have had something in your life like that, um,
1: stuffed crust pizza was mine.
0: There you go. Right. Like you can look at it, but you can also say, that's not food. That's not for me. That's not a choice that I'm making. And once you feel better, once you remove it, and you and you feel that difference or you see your digestion be better and you you just there's I can't even tell you honestly like I feel this way when I take the Thrive probiotic and I would say that even if they weren't sponsoring this week's show but like I genuinely feel better my digestion my outlook my approach my cravings like all that kind of stuff feels better when I take that probiotic and I I know if that's what I'm feeling from this. Like, it's hard for me to remember what it was like when I first went paleo because it was so long ago at this point when I removed all those foods that were causing inflammation for me. But I remember it feeling like magic. Like, I was drinking unicorn tears and I was riding, like, a rainbow of bliss. And it was just like, (laughs) oh, I just felt so good. And when you feel that way, it's like, who needs a soft pretzel, you know? Right. Right
1: yeah I mean I think um
0: I warned about emotional outbursts I'm just gonna say that
1: <laughs> no but I think the point that you're making is is a very good one because I think we get this question a lot from from people and we also see it in our family it's it's not just your mom uh, I see it in certain of my family members as well this reluctance to give up something despite Having a pretty good inkling that we might feel better giving that thing up. Um, and it really, you know, it's, it's, really a testament to how these foods are engineered to be addictive. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe that the food manufacturers are in bed with the pharmaceutical companies, in bed with the health insurance companies to, you know, get us addicted to these terrible foods and then make us sick. So we need all the drugs. Like I I really just do not believe that. I think everyone just wants our dollar. And I, I think it's, Um, it's just capitalism and it's the dark side of capitalism. There's many, many, many great sides, but this is the part where, you know, a food manufacturer doesn't have much incentive to make a food healthy the way they have the incentive to make a food so delicious. We want to buy it over and over and over again. Um, and it's, it's really this sort of, um, you know, alternative health movement, this, the local food movement, like the, the, woke foodies if i can use a totally outdated term now um but it's it's that group of people that have proven that there is a market for foods that are designed to be healthy and also hopefully delicious but not engineered to be addictive um and so that's one of the things that's amazing is seeing so many more options in grocery stores for foods that are made with like really good ingredients that either replicate some of our old favorites or, um, introduce us to a new, a new thing, right. A a brand new thing. That was something that we never had before. And it turns out that's really healthy and it makes us feel good and it's delicious. Um, but I think that really that reluctance to, you know, we're not feeling well, we understand it logically and we still just don't want to do it. It, it really is proof of how how much the current food supply is eroding public health in this this really sort of um, subversive, sneaky, right, hidden way food, that we're food not Food additives to. that literally create addiction. You know, right. they're
0: the like like you said. I, I don't think it's necessarily a conspiracy. I think people are out to satisfy people. And that means more money for the brand. And, and I think in most cases, it's as simple as that, trying to make something that is delicious that people want. But it ends up being so delicious that we um, are become addicted. And yeah. that's where not consuming it for a period of time is so helpful because like any other addiction, and sugar is a, and processed foods, which your body uses as sugar are so powerful Mm -hmm. that sometimes you really need that release. And you and I have talked about this, like after the holidays and stuff like that, like we each kind of do our own clean break of that, whatever that looks like (laughs) souping for me or, you know what I mean? Like whatever that is, because we need to reset our taste buds. We need to reset our gut bacteria. We need to reset our thought process on what is a healthy food and and that mindset of that i think is just so important and it's hard and you know find a buddy to do it with you i think there are so many people these days thinking about you know keto is so popular half of my office is doing keto right now and and their definition of keto looks very low carb paleo and not true keto and so you know saying like hey let's let's just do this thing where we don't eat flour and dairy and sugar and we can each do our own version of what that looks like right so if somebody else in your office wants to do that version and you're going to do this version and you can each have lunch together and know that it's a safe space in the office so like you're each going to not be tempted by you know the pizza that's brought in for that meeting or whoever's birthday or you know whatever someone's challenges are a family member that you can call before you go to your grandmother's birthday to say I am going to have a hard time saying no to the cake and I know grandma's going to want me to eat it, but I'm really focusing on my health right now and I would appreciate it if you could help me just today in not partaking in that. And I'm going to bring my own cake or I'm going to do my own thing and I don't want people to worry about me, but I, I just need your help. Be my friend. Like, I think that that goes so long to plan for that and to think about it in terms of helping... Get that strength where you need it at that first push to, you know, when you've been doing it your whole life and it's kind of everybody needs a reason why, you know, like you, you need that. Kick in the pants, so to speak. (laughs) Um, And for you, it was Sarah. For you, it was you know an autoimmune flare. For me, it was I was breastfeeding and my children were responding terribly to my breast milk, and I I I needed to do something right. And so for each each person, there's a reason that you come to it, and so you've just gotta have that reason and motivation to say, okay, this is what I'm gonna do for this period of time, and just know that you that's a choice you're making. It's not a punishment. It's not this negative thing it's like you've come to say i'm going to do this for myself and i love myself and i respect myself enough that doing this for 30 60 90 days is fine any you know like i can survive this and it's going to be tough but i can clean out my house i can clean out my pantry i can set myself up for success i can get a safe buddy to support me in the workplace with family whatever it is and and just know when you walk into it with that mindset and that confidence, you're set up for success so much more than if you're like, oh, I can't have it. It's so tough. You know, and I, I've been there. I've cried about only being able to eat homemade jerky. I've been there, but there's so many more options today. <laughs> like it's, it's true. It, it can be done.
1: Um, so I think that it would be good to give Teresa a little like gut health, uh, the the low hanging fruit, shall we say, right? The, the that's too punny. Um the the um bullet point list of like the things that are going to make the biggest difference in terms of her gut health as a place to start. And you know, I'm going to I'm going to take a few minutes to get pretty detailed. Um but I don't so I don't want that to be intimidating, but I want it to be a more like a brainstorm session. So think of it in terms of like, I'm writing all of these things down on a piece of paper as all of the things that I know are going to improve my gut health. And then I'm going to look at that and figure out what's the thing that I can do today that is, here's my starting point. And if that thing is, uh, oh, there is broccoli (laughs) in my fridge right now, I'm going to make sure that I steam that broccoli for dinner. And that I have my serving of green vegetable, cruciferous vegetable with dinner today, right? So, um, so I, I want it to be rather than this like lengthy to do list, and rather than, right, we're trying to stay away from those like yes and no rules, but rather a like a brainstorming session of like let me just lay this 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 um, this platter for you of like all of the things. That are independently, right? So it doesn't matter what you pick and you can pick two or three, every single thing on this platter is going to help improve gut health. And ideally you would do all of them, but there's no, there's no rule saying you need to do all of them today, right? We can, we can take these bits and pieces and start with whichever one seems the most approachable and seems like the one that is going to not, it's not going to hurt. I can do this. That's the easy. Oh, look at that easy one. I can definitely do that. So uh, from a sort of gut barrier health and gut microbiome health perspective, so we're really zooming in on gut health. We're, we're not taking an AIP look at this. That we're not looking at immune health or hormone health. We're really just looking at the gut because that is the, the thesis of Teresa's question. It turns out that our because our gut bacteria regulate our gut barrier Um, you really can't fix one without fixing the other, like that you really have to sort of address the entire ecosystem. But the good news is, is that the foods that are really good for the gut barrier help happen to also be foods that are really, really good for our gut bacteria, and even down to like the specific nutrient level. So there's some nutrients that are really, really important. Uh, Vitamin A, um, and this is the animal form of vitamin A. So typically, we're getting that from red meat, Uh, organ meat, obviously, is the highest source, but Again, we're laying the platter, uh, and seafood is generally going to be the best source for the animal form of, of vitamin A. Vitamin D is really, really important both for gut barrier health and for gut microbiome health, and that is a uh, go and get tested or do an at-home testing kit like Everly Well, check your vitamin D status, and then – Ideally, talk to a healthcare provider about how much vitamin D to take to bring your numbers back up, and retest on three months, making sure that you're bringing your numbers up enough and that you're not overshooting the mark. Because vitamin D really ideally should be between about 50 and 70 nanograms per milliliter, and going above 100 is dangerous, and being below 30 is tragically low. So, getting into that happy medium range of 50 to 70 is is the goal, and it can take a little bit of tinkering to figure out what dose of vitamin D you need. And maybe it varies per time of year. If you're a really outdoorsy person in the summer and you're not at all in the winter, you might not need it as much in the summer. So figuring that out for each individual is really important and uh, important for every biological system. Okay. So A, D. Zinc is very, very important, both for our gut microbiome and for our gut barriers. And then uh, from there, we're going to get into like bigger picture. So fiber is the main food for our gut bacteria. Um, And really the type of fiber they like is the fibers in fruits and vegetables. Um, Grain-based fiber doesn't really help our gut bacteria grow. There's there's not a really compelling reason to consume grains. Um, But so we're really talking about high vegetable and fruit intake, ideally eight servings or more per day, but we can build up to that slowly. And when our gut bacteria ferment the fiber, they actually make what are called short-chain fatty acids. Uh, Butyrate, which is one of the main short-chain fatty acids that they make, is actually really important for gut barrier health. So there's this, again, this this really tight link between uh, leaky gut and gut dysbiosis or healthy gut barrier and a healthy diverse gut microbiome. So because fiber is really important, it turns out that fibers have – like there's thousands of different types of fiber, and one whole food, like a sweet potato, might have a couple hundred different types of fiber in it. Um, There's classes and subclasses and sub-subclasses and sub-sub-subclasses, and very small differences – in the molecular structure of a fiber type can completely change what species wants to eat that fiber type. So the best thing we can do is eat fiber from whole foods, not supplements, and eat as many different types of fiber sources as we can, which means eating as much diversity of vegetables as we can, diversity of fruits as we can. And it turns out that you can make some you can make some broad statements about the different categories of fruits and vegetables. So you can say root vegetables, have this great effect to the gut microbiome. And cruciferous vegetables, that's the cabbage family, have this great effect. And leafy greens have this great effect. And the onion family has this great effect. Nuts, um, especially walnuts, are really, really good for the gut microbiome. So uh, nuts have this great effect. Apple family has this. Berry family has this. Citrus families have this. And ideally... Uh, oh, and mushrooms. Mushrooms are amazing. We should be eating as many mushrooms as possible. Um, so ideally, you would you would sort of pick from each one of those categories, and then you would still mix it up. So you wouldn't always pick sweet potatoes out, out of the root vegetable category. You wouldn't always pick broccoli out of the cruciferous veg- vegetable category. You wouldn't always pick, you know, sweet onions out of the onion category. But you would you would try to mix it up as much as possible and introduce as much diversity of these fiber sources as possible. Our gut bacteria are also really sensitive to the types of fats that we eat. So they don't like high-saturated fat. They really like omega-3s, so that's what we're getting from seafood. And they really like olive oil. So a high-quality extra virgin olive oil, Uh, If you buy high-quality olive oil, so the kind that if you take a swig of it out of the bottle makes you cough like crazy because it has such a high polyphenol content, usually it doesn't have an expiry date. It has a pressed date on the bottle. It's usually in dark glass, and it will be more expensive. But that high-quality olive oil is perfectly safe safe to cook with, and it is fantastic for the gut microbiome. And then even the protein we eat impacts our, our gut bacteria. Fish protein is their favorite protein by a, like a, a landslide. Um, chicken, um, basically like chicken and pork, are kind of next. Um, red meat is is moderate, like it's it's not too bad for the gut microbiome. And then uh, casein, so the the main pro, one of the main proteins in dairy, um, and the protein that's concentrated in cheese and uh, soy protein are terrible for the gut microbiome like really skew towards pathogenic strains. It's pretty uh, impressive um, Pea protein though, so it's not that all plant proteins are bad like pea protein is actually really good for the microbiome. so there's a good reason to eat some more more peas because when you don't just have pea protein but you have like pea meal or you're just eating like frozen peas that'll have all the fiber as well. Uh, phytochemicals really important for the gut microbiome so we get, antioxidant phytochemicals from fresh fruits and vegetables and fresh herbs as well and uh, that means that there's certain foods that like these are like the good news foods so like green and black tea are really good for the gut microbiome dark chocolate is really really good for the microbiome this is also one of the reasons why olive oil is so good because of the phytochemicals coffee actually can be good for the gut microbiome um but do know that there's like like responders and non-responders with coffee. So coffee's inflammatory for some people and anti-inflammatory for others. And it's not really clear, like why, like what's what's the gene that's linked in there that would make some people have a positive response to coffee, not just like it wakes me up, but like it's anti-inflammatory, it's helping me be healthier versus uh, it's completely wrecking me. Uh, so caveat on coffee, but those high polyphenol foods tend to be really good for the gut microbiome. Um, honey, if you're gonna go for something sweet, honey has fermentable substrate in it, really really good for the gut microbiome. And generally, uh, like our gut bacteria are pretty good at synthesizing B vitamins. They actually like they make like 80% of our vitamin B6. It's pretty impressive. Um, but they're not very good at synthesizing other vitamins. Other than they make some vitamin K2. So they have essential nutrients just the same way we do. And we actually need to eat a nutrient-dense diet, not just for us, but for them as well. So they're really sensitive to our vitamin A intake, vitamin E, vitamin C, and generally pretty much every mineral that's an essential mineral. So that goes back to high-quality meats, seafood, lots of vegetables, and let those foods displace the foods that we know are not as good choices from a gut health perspective. And then on top of that, we can layer probiotic foods. We can layer, um, you know, something like kombucha, water kefir, a wild fermented sauerkraut, or something like a Just Thrive probiotic to help re-inoculate the gut with those beneficial species. And it kind of will help drive the adaptation to the diet. Um, So, Adaptation for the gut microbiome can be as fast as two to three days and can be as long as a couple of months. And it's because our gut bacteria are also sensitive to our hormone environment, which is why how stressed we are has a major impact on the gut microbiome and gut barrier. How much we're sleeping has a major impact and how active we are. So ideally, we want to get eight plus hours of sleep every single night on a routine schedule. We want to be actively managing our stress. So that means doing things like meditating or, I mean, meditating is not for everyone. It could be spending time outside, going for a walk, playing with the dog, playing with the kids, doing a jigsaw puzzle, right? It's it's the work-life balance piece. And then um, being active but not overtraining. So walking is a great activity for the gut microbiome. Um, but just making sure that you're not doing, especially if, if your sport is an endurance sport, um, that you are not training to exhaustion and that you're giving yourself adequate rest days. Um, and that's really important for hormone health, immune health, but also gut microbiome health. So those are that's the platter. Uh, so it looks like a lot of vegetables, some seafood, some high-quality meats, uh, some pretty fun foods like dark chocolate and green and black tea, uh, honey, honey. Um, other bee products as well, I should add like B propolis and Royal jelly are also good for the microbiome and the lifestyle things that, you know, I, I think are actually the harder, harder often to, to prioritize because they actually take a lot more work and consistency. It's a lot easier to change our diets and then change our sleep habits, but there's the platter. And so if it looks like, you know, oh, okay. i I'll add one more serving of vegetables with my dinner. So Maybe that's where I'm going to start. Maybe I'm going to start making sure that I have vegetables from two different of those categories at dinner every night. And then I'm going to take some steps from there. So there's our, our gut health menu. And now we're just gonna, we're just gonna pick the starting point.
0: The gut health menu. I am going to need an infographic. It's, such, <laughs> it's like such a good concept and visual. I'm living for it. I'm waiting for it.
1: I, 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 since that idea just came out of my mouth, just like that right now, I am going to map that out as an infographic for the book. That's that's going to happen now. Genius. And I'm ready to pin it. You just
0: send it to me. And <laughs> I'm on it.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: Well, I think that's that's a perfect place to kind of mic drop because I know we've talked a lot about kind of practical application and mindset and then also the actual science and, and nutrient portion of it. I just want to remind everybody that giving yourself a boost with additional support is always a great idea so we haven't really talked about digestion in general but um in addition to all the things that we've just talked about there could be um other things at play for example um specific autoimmune diseases that Mm -hmm. affect digestion. In my case, I don't have a gallbladder that affects digestion, different kinds of things that come into play. And so if for whatever reason, Teresa or somebody else is experiencing, um, continued issues as they, uh, work towards changing their diet and are trying to improve their digestion, working with, A medical professional, whether that's a functional doctor or you know, a nutritional nutritional therapy practitioner or different kinds of things like that, can really help call out specific things that you might need to work on, and they can also look at what it is you're consuming and make recommend personalized recommendations, that kind of stuff. So, um, that was something that I did years ago that was incredibly helpful and a learning experience for me as I modified how I was eating in a way that would be, um, the most healing and beneficial, not necessarily what my preconceived notion of what I quote unquote should be doing, um, was. And that, that was a good change for me. And listeners don't freak out. I intentionally used that word by saying that it wasn't a great thing to think that way. So I know <laughs> I use the SH word. That's okay. Um, and a huge shout out to our podcast sponsor who, like I said, we specifically talked to about the show because Sarah, you and I both personally use and love this. Mm-hmm. You use it within your family and now I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's probably a good idea for me
1: to get everybody else on you the know probiotic that it's, train. It's stable enough that it can survive cooking applications. You could literally open up some capsules and put them in muffins.
0: That is fascinating. I did not Mm -hmm. know that. I am kind of of the mindset that I don't like to hide things and all of my kids can take pills. Oh
1: yeah. That's mine. Mine are only good with like teeny tiny pills. Yeah.
0: They've all got an interesting way that they do it. Like not a single one is the same, but they all, (laughs) um, can take pills now. Maybe not like a huge giant supplement, but The Thrive probiotic pills—they're not tiny, but they're also not like horse-sized pills. So I think they would be fine. Um, But putting them in a smoothie or something like that's a great idea for a younger kid who maybe Mm -hmm. has, um, you know, digestive or other issues that you're trying to resolve with with more probiotics. So
1: I'll I'll tell you that Adele, um, she has—we have these little like four-ounce juice juice glasses—and she just puts a little bit of water in them, and she opens up the capsule and sprinkles the powder in. And she just kind of swigs it back and then she adds a little bit more water to try and get the stuff that's stuck to the glass and swigs that back. And it's it's easy peasy.
0: Yeah, but your kids are way more hardcore than 99.9%
1: of the world. <laughs> well, you could put it in some – I mean if, if water with powder in it is it's, – it's not – if that's not your thing. I mean you could also write smoothie or juice or something else to make it more palatable.
0: Well – thank you to Thrive Probiotics. And if you are looking for a discount again, it's thrive thepaleoview slash the paleo view, and that'll get you 15% off with code paleo view 15. And I just want to remind you if you're trying to save more, which I always am, I'm always looking for a deal. <laughs> um, the way I purchase it is by getting a bundle that will give you an extra discount on top of our 15%. So Check that out, and we hope that you love it as much as we do, and thank you again to Thrive for sponsoring this podcast, and Teresa, I hope that you've got the strength and the willpower to solve the mushy, not formed poo. Um, (laughs) There, you made me say it.
1: (laughs) And I can hear your cheeks turning pink. It's in the, so in your uncomfortable. Voice. I'm like, <laughs> I can't not be embarrassed right now. What but is you wrong did with it. me? I'm so proud. I'm so proud in so many ways. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal.
0: <sighs> okay, so I am logging in to the Google, the mail, Google Mail. I feel like nobody calls it that anymore. It's just
1: I call it mail. the Google.
0: I yeah, also call it like,
1: the interweb. It's the Google
0: Mail, but oh. like because if you look at the URL, it's URL. What is wrong with <laughs> you? You look at the URL. Wow, uh, <laughs> mail.google.com. It's not like Gmail, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Well maybe there is Yeah, it was Gmail like the secret after. thing. I was an early Gmail Me adopter, so too. I got my Gmail account my first Gmail account because I have multiple now. You first know Gmail why? account when it was invitation only.
0: Because we're old, that's why. That <laughs> is
1: definitely proof of
0: oldness. To the people who are listening to show, the show with a two in their like age, they didn't even know about early adoption because it was a decade past for them.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. I remember having to, like, find a friend who had an account to get an invite. Find a friend. Do you remember that
0: show where you had to phone a friend? Oh, yes.
1: Speaking oh, of you could have things. Um,
0: why were those people not just, like, sitting around, like, in front of a computer waiting to Google something for someone? Or with an encyclopedia or whatever? Why were they always like, oh, I'm at the dentist right now? Did they not know? <laughs> <sighs> And then it was and like, was "Hey buddy, time. how are you?" Like, "Stop wasting seconds. And, you can call them back later." Go, and
1: then they would go, "Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess maybe I would guess like B."
0: <laughs> like, don't trust anything that person
1: says. <laughs> and then you're like, "Okay, pick anything but B." Useless call. <laughs> and then what was it like ask the audience? Was that one? Yeah. And yes. then the audience would yeah, all vote? it was always
0: like choose whatever the opposite of what an audience said.
1: Well, but it wasn't you. The audience would all vote, and then you would see what the audience all thought it was, right? Yeah. That how it was? Yeah. Oh, that's a way back machine right there. Way, way back. All right. Who, who wants to be a millionaire? I just, you, I just. Oh, that is the show. I couldn't even yeah. remember what the name of it was. I just was I, calling I, I it the like phone a friend sure. show. Yeah. No. Who wants to be a millionaire? And I, I think nobody ever won like a million dollars. Plus, if you won the million dollars, like capital gains tax, you would like only leave with half of it. 45 percent gets taken for the. Okay, so you'd have taxes. more than half of it. So that's not bad. There's so many bad people in the world. It's not. It's not cool. No, no, it's not. Maybe if they ate more vegetables and spent more time outside, had <laughs> <laughs> nicer poops, they would. They wouldn't be so evil.
0: I do think that there's something to that, though. <laughs> It's so legit. Like, I can't even with how many people are so grouchy and or like troll comments and different kinds of things. They really
1: just need a good poop. You know, I'm like, okay, three
0: things. Clean up your diet, have a good poop, and do the thing that Sarah has a euphemism for that I always forget what it is. Do the sense of well-being? Yes. Yes.
1: And I'm like, and then come
0: come back tomorrow and let's (laughs) chat. (laughs) Even if it's
1: self-administered sense of well-being.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.